0: This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. Today, I am so glad to be joined by our guest, veteran Broadway dancer Mary Jane Houdina. Mary Jane Houdina has appeared on Broadway in such shows as I'm Solomon, The Fig Leaves Are Falling, Georgie, and more. She has also lent her choreographic talents to such shows as Follies, Annie, Moose Murders, Into the Light, Sextet, Rachel Lily Rosenbloom, and Don't You Ever Forget It, and Rockabye, Hamlet. She also appeared in Funny Girl on the national tour, on the big screen in The Great Gatsby, And she was the choreographer of Peter Allen's act at Radio City Music Hall, as well as the TV movie of Dames at Sea. I hope you enjoy my conversation with someone who has been such a big part of the golden age of Broadway, Mary Jane Houdina. Okay, so first I want to ask you, how did you get interested in theater?
1: Well, I started dancing when I was seven. I just loved to dance. And, um... I am from a little town between Buffalo and Niagara Falls. It's called Tonawanda, New York. And I had a great teacher, Miss Gloria Jean. And uh, at that time, when I I first started dancing, um, uh, there wasn't so much theater in Buffalo, but there was a lot of nightclubs. There were huge, huge places. One was the Town Casino in Buffalo. And there was a place in uh, Williamsville, New York called the Glen Casino. And the same man owned these places and i saw i actually saw eleanor powell make her comeback at the um the town oh, casino yeah. in buffalo do you know who she was yes yeah very famous dancer i loved her and um in fact for me she was the best of all of them i loved ann miller i loved them all but i thought eleanor powell was the best of all of them and um so what happened was that my dancing teacher and her husband he was like a local MC person and he could sing and he could play the trumpet and and gloria would sing and dance and so by the time i was 11 i knew all of her routines and oh. she and her songs so there was another place too in louis it was called luigi's in niagara falls and it was a supper club they were all they were all supper clubs it's sort of like akin to the dinner theater you know it's just that mm-hmm. they did a full show they did they did different people would come and do their acts. you know so I actually, my, I was underage one one time, uh, I was like 11 or 12, and my parents had to come because I sang and danced with my teacher, you know, because I knew her stuff. So that's how I got started. <clears throat> and then when I was in uh, high school, I the first book show that I did was The King and I. And we did it at Studio Arena Theater in Buffalo, New York which wasn't a professional theater then. It was like in the church on Lafayette Street. I remember this. And I, for six weeks, I rehearsed the ballet and my part was only, I was one of the slaves. I got, I crawled out and got kicked in the dairy and rolled over for six weeks. I did that, you know, and a few yeah. things, were, and I loved it. I loved all of it. Cause as it turned out, the woman who choreographed it had been in the original production. And I'm ashamed to say, I can't remember her name. But um, she came, I guess she was from Buffalo and came back to Buffalo, you know, and I loved it. I just loved doing all of it. And, um, and just a small side, I actually got the chicken pox from the kids, from the little oh, kids. Oh, really? When that show closed, several of us got chicken pox from them. So that was the big thing that happened there. But that Studio Arena, um, I actually, after I came to New York and I had some experience, um, I went back there because Studio Arena became a professional theater. And I actually did a lot of work there. I, I did um, I choreographed cabaret. I choreographed anything goes. I actually did a an original piece when I was still performing. I did something called Ring Alivio. and I did Peter Pan. I played Tiger Lily, and um, mm-hmm. Bonnie Franklin was Peter. So I I came back and did that. And I say to people now, you know, because your whole life changes because of circumstances. If there was as much theater in Buffalo then as there is now I probably wouldn't have left because there's a lot of things around there now you know Mm -hmm. so uh, but it was nice to come back it was like coming home did you so that's how I got that's how I got interested and um the rest of it is just you know I'm in New York and here I am (laughs) so when did you? uh, so uh when did I come to New York yeah yeah I graduated from high school in 1965 and I came to New York the following September, and I was in New York two days, and I got the national tour of Funny Girl.
0: Oh, Larry Fuller, I loved me. him.
1: I, I couldn't, I was only 17. And um, to for that to be my first show, it was spectacular because it's a dancer show. And I got five lines, and they gave me a whole script because okay. there's one little scene with three chorus girls and Fanny. And I got I got a whole script and I thought Oh my God I've arrived <laughs> You know and I traveled with that for a year and um, it, not only did I have fun doing the show I mean I saw the, we saw the whole United States and we and we also went to mm-hmm. Toronto which was close to my home so a lot of people that were busloads came to see the show you know and when um, we went to Vancouver and I, it was it was a, just a tremendous experience By the time I was 18 you know I well, actually, I had my 18th birthday in Chicago. Oh. Okay. Because we were there for three months. So I, <clears throat> I had my birthday there. I was the youngest one in the show. And then um then we traveled because we sat, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we were in um Dallas for three weeks. And then the next place was Chicago, and we were there for three months. So it was really nice because we kind of got to know the place. And I liked Chicago. And <clears throat> and um and then we traveled a little bit, and then we went to Los Angeles. San Francisco and um, so we we traveled all over the place and um, it was it was wonderful because as I said it was a real dancer show you know and the music was terrific and uh, I just it couldn't have been a better thing in fact years later I worked I did another production of Funny Girl and one of the character ladies said to me because she asked me she said well how did you get started right and I told her and she said what she I said well I was in New York two days and she said two days I said, yeah. And um, the thing I didn't mention was I got my equity card, too. Thrown oh, open wow. ball. So, which doesn't happen anymore. And I, you know, I didn't think it was special because that's what I expected to do. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> expected to come to New York and work. That was a dance, you know. So, and she said to me, she said, my God, that's, that's exceptional. And I said, well, thank you. I said, I didn't know that, <laughs> you know. So. so,
0: when you were on tour with Funny Girl, were you doing most of the Broadway staging?
1: Oh, yeah. all. Oh. Yeah, we did all of it. I think there was one number that was added to that production that they didn't do in New York, and uh, oh. that Larry choreographed. And um, so we did, we danced hard. We danced a lot <laughs> in the show. That's why I say it was a dancer show. Yeah. You know, because sometimes you get to do a show and there's maybe one number or two numbers and that's it. You know, but we were in and out and throughout the whole thing. It was, it, it was great. And I actually. It, it it was wonderful because later on as i started to choreograph and direct i actually got to direct direct it once myself um, and um it was it, it's just a great show i just think it's terrific put together I, and the overture for me is one of the best overtures ever just ever i think it's exciting
0: was the cast when you were doing this show always nice and sort of welcoming
1: well, there were a lot of us that were youngsters. There was one girl who was—I um, think there were how many were there? I think there were six girls and six fellas. And there two. There was one other girl who was like two days older than me, and then there was one other girl who was um, maybe a year older than us. You know, so she was already 18. She was a, a veteran already, and um, but we're still friends. We remade friends. They were, it was a wonderful company. That's I should have mentioned that too. It was a wonderful company. I mean, when we would have parties, because it was a big to do. You know, we'd go to some of the places, some of the bigger places. And uh, George Steinbrenner was one of our producers. And when we went to um, Cleveland, he actually, I think he owned Stouffer's, the building that Stouffer's was in. You know, the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And um, they, it, I was so. <laughs> I was sorry that they didn't do this after the show, but they had a full sit down dinner for the whole company. Wow. And we, it was from soup to nuts. I ate so much food that when I was waiting for that first entrance, cause the dance itself was sort of frenetic, you know? And I was praying, please God, I'll never do that again if you don't let me throw up. <laughs> cause I had eaten so much food, you know but I was enjoying everything, you know? And um, the cast, if we had a party or something like that the guys were always terrific they would take all everybody would have a date they would take one of the girls you know so it was a very wonderful cast i stayed in touch with a lot of them for a long time and um it it, it was they were very welcoming yeah the woman who played uh, mama bryce was lillian roth who was a very famous actress you know and um that was that was an experience because she liked there were three of us that she loved (laughs) and we would like take her with us there was a place in chicago called um i think it was in the hilton hotel it was called the gollywog and people would go there you know, have a drink after the show or whatever but they also performed it was like a piano bar and we would often take her it was mary beth myself and and this fellow named jj who was one of the guys, right, and um, we would pick her up because we were all kind of staying in the same place, but we would go pick her up and take her, and it was wonderful to hear her stories, you know, and um, so, so all around, it it was a fantastic experience. I couldn't have wanted for more at that age, you know, because it's not always that nice. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes the casts don't kind of hit off, you know, but that was a great cast. I don't, I don't remember any, any bad things, you know.
0: Yeah. So around this time and when you got back to New York, were you sort of continuing to train and with what, teachers?
1: Always. I mean, it, in between everything, I you take class. I would take class at least three times a week at the least. Oh. And I would take my voice lesson. And um, I always did that. I mean, if you're serious about it, that's what you do. You know, you stay in shape yeah oh in fact there was a period this was after i did i did a broadway show i think was 1967 my first show was i'm solomon and um i i realized i had to get more serious about my vocal stuff because i could sing before i came to new york i knew that i was going to have to sing so i actually studied with a woman in buffalo who was an opera singer and so I was ready. I felt like I knew knew what I was. But I, I sang, you know, like I was a belter, you know, a big voice. Yeah. But I got hired for this Broadway show as like a crossover. There were two two or three of us that were singer dan- dancer singers, and uh, there was one number in the show that was just for Solomon's wives. And when they started passing out the parts. They the singers they don't always teach it to you they just hand it to you and then you kind of sing with them you know well I wasn't I wasn't trained enough yet then to be able to do I could follow the notes but you had to play it for me yeah okay so when that show closed I knew I had to get serious and I went to a, a I went to a coach and I went to a teacher like once twice a week and I stayed in New York instead of taking any summer stock I stayed in New York and I just studied. And I would go to all the auditions for everything, but I would go to the open call because an equity person can get into the open call, but the open call people can't get into the equity call. Right. Yeah. But so I would take the hardest song for me to sing. Like I would sing If if I loved you, which wasn't a song I would necessarily sing or a role that I would necessarily be cast in, but it was in my head voice. And I would, because, you know, you have to get what they call your sea legs. It's very different to stand up and sing a song or to do a, um, a scene than it is when you sit or if you're just practicing. you have to it's like if somebody pre- if, it's like if somebody warms up in bed before they get out of bed and they like pull their legs up to their chest that's not good stretching. You have to get up yeah. and you have to get in your space and you have to stretch you know So uh, that's what I did. I would go to all of these singer calls and practice singing. Yeah, fortunately, I never embarrassed myself but <laughs> because the song was hard for me to sing and I would pick that song and I would sing it.
0: So also around this time, were you seeing a lot
1: of shows as well or mostly just sort of auditioning? Um, I Well, I, it's good to see things because then you see what's happening. Um, yeah. It's like even now, now that I'm a choreographer and a director, you know, you need to see the new stuff because you want to see what's happening. You know, what, what direction do you have to go in? You know, and I w- I would see as much as I could. It was hard sometimes because, you know, if you're not working, you can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember doing um, I, I sometimes, too, when you do a show like that, like Funny Girl, like God bless Larry Fuller, because after that, I must have done it for him twice more. And so I did I did the year of Funny Girl, and then there was maybe a, a month and a half off or so. And then he asked me to do a production of it in um, Minneapolis. So we did that, but that was short. That was like a, a month or something. I think it was like 10 days rehearsal and, and three weeks performance. And um, then in that summer, I did there was a used to be a circuit called the Lenny Devon Circuit, and it was all those theaters in the round with the, you know, mm-hmm. they were tents. Some of them were outside. They weren't, not us, I mean, they had tents and it was covered, there were flaps, but it wasn't a hard building, you know? I think the only, one of the ones that are left is in, um, uh, it's on Long Island. I forget, I forget the town on Long Island now. But I think that's still there and they do do concerts and things there. And there's a place in um, Pennsylvania too. Uh, But that would, we would travel around. And Carol Lawrence did that production. And we, so I, we traveled. That was a whole summer travel that we I did, to tell you, bad. after we came back to New York, because I became friendly with Carol. And um, she went into I Do, I Do with Bob Preston, I think it was. And um, I I we spoke, and I said, I'd like to come see the show. And I got house seats. And when you look back, so this was like 1968, maybe, 67. 67. And um, oh and I also did another funny girl in between there, but not with Larry, who was in in Florida. So you know so if you get to do if you know something and there's a short rehearsal period, very often the director and the choreographer like they do like to hire people that are familiar with the piece if yeah. you only have a short rehearsal time, right? So um, I did that one too. And um, when I went to see Carol, she got me house seats. The house seats were ten dollars. And at that, that was expensive for me then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and now when I think about it, house seats are over $100 sometimes, you know, most of the time. So um, I, as as I said, I would try to see as, as much as I could, but it depended upon how much money I was making, you know. Yeah. I was always lucky. I, I always worked enough that I could collect an appointment <laughs> so, so, so I always had something going on.
0: So you were mentioning I'm Solomon, and I want to ask you, what did you think of... Donald McHale, who was the
1: choreographer for that show. For which show? For, a, I'm, for I'm Solomon. I'm Solomon. It, uh, Donnie McHale was wonderful. Donnie McHale, it was, he was a a contemporary dancer. He was a modern dancer. And it was um not necessarily something I had studied. I had studied Afro-Cuban and I had studied all kinds of things, but I hadn't done a contemporary quite. But I could dance like that. I was a strong dancer and um, I love doing it. I mean, it's kind of free and loose and jumpy and, you know, and it was kind of, um, it it was just special because he had his company, most of his company did it. And it was kind of, I I kind of feathered my cap that I would always get put in with that group, (laughs) you know? and. it was good it was just good because it was all about you know it was a, a bible story you know so we were always dancers in the in the courtyard and things like this i actually had one dancer his name god bless him was al de i'm sure he's not with us any longer but he was a little guy so i'm i'm short i'm six, five foot two a little over that five almost five foot three and um he donnie matched me up with him and we did this one lift you know but you ran and you jumped and you straddled him and then, and then he swung and they swung you back but you know you know when they swing backwards like this now that's what we did but we did it like four or five times oh, so he God. was strong but he said to me he said you know he said I love your dancing he said but you know you jump on me like I'm a horse <laughs> but we see we went flying so that's what happened you know
0: yeah. um
1: but Donnie's Donnie's work was just terrific I it was an honor to work for him
0: and then what did you think of Dick Sean and Karen Morrow, who were the leads, I think, in that show?
1: Dick Sean, Dick Sean played the lead. Now, do you know the story? It's about Solomon and the cobbler. They they switch places. Solomon mm-hmm. and the cobbler switch places. And um the well, the, the bad thing about the show, what happened was the music was beautiful. The costumes were beautiful. We all, as I said, I, I got chosen to be one of the wives in that number. Each costume that we had was made for us. It wasn't like a oh, wow. 10 of these and seven of those. And they were absolutely beautiful. They were raw silk, you know, and we were we had Bernardo sandals, which are very beautiful shoes, you know, and um it, it was just, everything was beautiful. Uh, Ernest Gold wrote the music. He wrote Exodus. He he wrote that that song. And all of the music was beautiful. And the bad thing that happened um, was that Dick was funny. He was very funny. And he did that, that part very well. But when he had to play the king, he wasn't good at the serious stuff, you know? Um, sometimes, though, I wonder if you look at people like that when you know them as one thing, it's hard to see them shift unless there's, they really shifted so well that you go, oh, oh you know, he can yeah. do that too. Um, so we didn't run very long. I think we ran four performances and out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it was a shame because at the time it was the, one of the f- first musicals. I believe it, they said it was like $800,000, wow. which now yeah, is nothing. But at that time, it was a lot of money, you know, and, um, and it, it, it was a good experience. It was a very yeah. good experience.
0: So the next show you did on Broadway was The Fig Leaves Are Falling. I so did. What was it like to work with George Abbott, who directed
1: that show? I love George. He was he was getting a little old then though, you know. He was he was old, but he knew what he was doing, you know, but he loved the dancing. And he I my partner in the show was a fellow named Tony Stevens, whom I, I loved as a friend, and he was a terrific choreographer. And when he first started choreographing, I assisted him. And uh, we we also did the movie of The Great Gatsby together with Robert Redford and Mia Farrow. And he and I were partners. We were always, part, if we went into a show together, we were partners, you know, and um, and Mr. Abbott loved us. He would love to come up and talk to us. He just loved us. And then there was a girl named Charlene Ryan and Michael Mesita. As small as Tony and I were, they were tall. And oh. the four of us, he loved to come and talk with us about the dancing, you know. And um, I think I think that show got a bum rap because Promises Promises was opening at the same time and it the storylines were kind of similar. And um yeah. I really think that's what happened to that. I mean cuz Dorothy Loudon got nominated for a Tony. And the songs that um oh, no I can't say his name. The the who wrote the songs. Oh, that's terrible. He wrote the most terrific song. One song is beautiful. It um, and the, there was and the song that Dorothy did that she really got nominated for is "All My Laughter." the The songs were terrific Broadway numbers, you know. So
0: the show, as you were saying, this show also I think only ran for about four performances. So it did. When, when a show doesn't run as long, are you disappointed, or do you try to sort of sort of stay above? getting too involved in it
1: um you're very disappointed because you know you work hard on the stuff on the the dancing on putting it together and you know everybody comes a unit and and especially if the material is good you know sometimes you I have done stuff that I thought oh god I can't wait for this to be over you know um yeah but this these were not fig leaves and um and I'm Solomon and the next show I did was Georgie the same thing happened to that you know, it was taken from Georgie girl, and we worked really hard. There wasn't a lot of dancing in that. There was enough dancing in and fig leaves um, and you you get attached to stuff and you want it to be good and you then know, you make friends and you know, like like the fig leaves was over' Christmas time, so people were bringing cookies. I mean, all of that stuff, all of that stuff comes to play, you know, and I don't think it was bad. i th- I just think that it um you know business-wise too if you don't have an advanced sale and you don't get good if you don't get good reviews immediately they close it because they don't want to lose money on that you know yeah and um and I think the star power was a little stronger maybe in promises and you know the the names were a little bit more you know prominent and uh and that happens all of those things come into play but you never I never did anything that I did in New York that was didn't run I thought was good. I thought was good. Um, yeah. The only show to me that was a little, a little weird was Rockabye by Hamlet*. I did that too. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and I don't know. I, I think some of it was too little spread out. I don't know. It was spread out, and it was Beverly D'Angelo played Ophelia. And um, she sang this song about, about Hamlet and she, she strangled herself with a microphone cord. I mean, that was a little bizarre. <laughs> that had some bizarre stuff that went in that. So, yeah. I, you know, that was a little questionable to me. But even that, it was beautiful. The set was beautiful. The actors were terrific. You know, everybody went on to do things. Meatloaf played the priest. Yeah. You know, and, um, and the music was good. I, I think that just needed to be tightened up a little bit, you know. Yeah, because I was that was just first when all of the like rock and roll stuff started, like you kind of were doing funky stuff, you know, instead of Broadway stuff. It was a little more funky and. Um, but, you know, you never want something not to happen. You know, mm-hmm. you wanted to, especially if you worked hard on it and, and you always work hard on it, whether you're you know, even if you're not in that particular number, you have to sit there and be present because everything is attached to each other. You can't just you don't the dancers just don't come into do that. You know, they don't come and just dance. You, you gotta know where it's coming from and where it's gonna go and how do I leave and yeah the stage, you know, you know, unless it's a blackout. But you have to be there and be present so you know what's happening. So you 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 invest a lot of your time when you're doing a new show. Because they also want you to bring to bear what you know. So like if because I've been in a couple of places, like even in on Solomon, I was given. I had long hair then, so I was kind of the trollop in the first scene, <laughs> in the in the courtyard scene. I had this raggy dress, you know, and and uh, Michael Benthal was the the director, who um, had directed uh, a lot of uh, movies. I mean, he was a famous director, and he asked me. He said, "Mary Jane, he said, just walk through here like this." And I think he liked me because I would get little lines here and there, you know, and that happened too but i would so i just walked through the scene and they want they don't want you just to walk through the scene so i have to that's where your acting classes come in and what do you think of this character and and that's what's fun you know so you have to bring what you know you have to bring to bear sometimes uh part of your own soul there you know and so when things don't happen don't work it's it's a little depressing (laughs) you know
0: yeah so your next show as you were saying was georgie so how
1: really? did you audition for that or i did um i went in and i auditioned and got got one of the parts and you know i uh, as a dancer and uh, and tony was in that we were still dancing together you know mm-hmm. my friend tony and um that that was fun that was like um a little painful to get up i don't know why they had I remember it kind of being hard to put up. And I remember the thing that was always so peculiar to me, because, you know, that song, Georgie Girl, was so popular. Somehow they should have put it in the show or done a voice, you know, like played while they were waiting for the orchestra to start the overture, at least pump it into the theater. Because that was the first thing people would ask, how come that song wasn't in the show? Well, she didn't write, he didn't write that, you know. (laughs) So I thought it was... uh, I thought it went pretty well till it got to the ending, and the ending never worked. So, you know, the last, sometimes people will forgive you the beginning if it finishes well. You know that song, it's not where you start, it's where you finish? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The ending just kind of petered out. And it wasn't, I I don't remember it being sort of happy. They kept trying to make it happier, and that was one of the problems. But there was a lot of, again, there was a lot of good things in that, and a lot of good actors too. Um the fellow who played uh Josh, I think his name was in it. Um John Castle, he played the oldest son in Lion in Winter. I mean, he was a oh. terrific actor. And um so it's not it's what happens is that people think it's about the talent. It's not always about the talent, it's about what happens when it gets put together, you know. Yeah. So that's what happened to that. That kind of petered out. And that was kind of sad. We only had one huge number in that. And, um, I remember we even had trouble putting that together because they couldn't decide what they wanted that to be. And I have, in fact, I now that I'm thinking about it. There was one number, you know, where she comes in, you, you you're not old enough to remember the movie, are you?
0: No. (laughs) Did you ever see the movie? No, I haven't.
1: Well, there's a scene where she comes in and, um, Georgie comes in and, um, They're older people and they're trying to do the frug and things like that, that was popular then, you know, and I remember that they patted me so I looked like an old lady, and the first audience, the first preview, she had to make a very fast change to get into that we were dancing and dancing and all of a sudden the music was over there was not enough music to cover the change and I just kept dancing you know and I was getting laughs because of my padding was shaking and stuff you know <laughs> I looked like an old lady so that's what I'm saying you bring to bear what you know you you're acting chops you know yeah. and things like that and um it finally worked out, but that was something that had to be rehearsed with an audience and, and in real time. I don't think we ever rehearsed that in real time, you know, and she it took her. The music stopped. I bet there was another minute that went by before she came out. Oh, so that was an experience. Yeah, so <laughs> I just I just kept dancing and I kept getting laughs. So that was good.
0: <laughs> so the choreographer who did that show, whose name was Howard Jeffrey, had mm-hmm. never done a Broadway show before. By himself. So, did you like his choreography, or
1: did you like working with him? Um. Oh, that's a hard question. It was okay. It wasn't my favorite. If I'm being honest with you, it was okay. It wasn't bad. It was just okay. Yeah. As I recall, (laughs) it was a long time ago. It was okay. You know, I was. It was happy. It was a happy dance, and um, but we didn't see. We didn't really do enough to to yay or nay you know what I mean I I you know because everybody needs experience you know you get experience from doing doing more and and he was a good dancer I mean but I don't think I don't I don't know how that all came to bear but he was the choreographer and that's what he did and I am sure he did what they asked him to do but in his effort to keep it sort of happy and jumping around that's what it felt like you know Nothing, nothing crazy like, you know, like when I did On Solomon, we were flying, (laughs) (laughs) jumping and flying and carrying on.
0: So later in your career, when you became a choreographer in your own right, did you ever have to sort of choreograph any of the dancers that you'd worked with during this period?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, I think I have see when you get to that place where you start choreographing and directing yourself usually your friends are all the same age so either they've moved on to something else or they're directing and choreographing you know so i i have um like when i did i did showboat a few times and uh um oh i can't think of the name ellie and frank and ellie that those those are they're a little bit older characters you know so yes i i have worked with people that I danced with and I choreographed them, you know, but that's always fun because usually they're helpful. You know, if I say, well, gee, can you get like, this? do you mind if I do this? No, that's okay. You know, because they'll help you. It's like when I've done things about, about, oh, it's a little longer than that now, about nine years ago or so, I did No No Nanette at a little theater up near um, Boston. And the producer had, I actually was hired to choreograph Annie and when I was talking to him about about doing the, that show and stuff, he said the next show is No, No, Nanette. Would you consider playing Aunt Sue? And I I went oh I said I said you know I'm probably the right age, but I don't look my age on stage. And I you know I went through all this litany of things why I couldn't do it, and I also had something else to do after that, after doing the Annie. And then the, and then he asked me again, and then then he said, well you know Donna McCaffney's going to play. Um, the other character, what's her name? Lucille, Lucille, right? And I said, oh, that'd be terrific. And I said, well, I, I, uh, I still <laughs> I don't like this, right? And so finally, the third time I said to him, listen, I said, if I can change everything else that I'm supposed to do, uh, I will, um, and not get anybody mad at me, I said, I'll do this. Because I started thinking, because I had choreographed the production of, of No No Nanette at oh. a dinner theater in Connecticut, like, I don't know how many years ago. And um, and I remembered that Aunt Sue didn't have to do a lot, at least this is what I remembered, didn't have to do a lot, but she had some plum things to do, you know, choice things mm-hmm. in the show. So I said, yes, I will do it. So I get the script and I get the music and I went, oh my God, why did I say I was gonna do this? Cause oh. I hadn't done a book show myself in 25 years. I mean, I had choreographed and directed, but I hadn't performed in a book show. In 25 years and in and when I did dance or sing it was something I choreographed so now this is 25 years of only doing my own work (laughs) you know and I would take class too you know I used to teach at the new dance group and my friend Frank Pietri um taught like the hour after me so he would come to my class and I'd go to his class and it was good because our styles were very different so it kind of keeps you up to date on what's going on and and moving your body different to different things so what happened was I did do Ansu, but that first run through that we did, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I looked around the room and there were all these young girls and I thought, oh, Mary Jane, this is payback. Because I can remember being oh, that age and looking at the girl playing the star role going, I could do that. know and i thought oh god and they were just terrific i could finish doing i want to be happy and they jumped to their feet and they applauded and this was just in the rehearsal room but my heart was pounding so fast that i thought i was going to die and then the next time that happened to me was the first audience i i walked up because i had to come down i had to go up the escape stairs to come down this entrance and i thought to myself whatever possessed you to want to do this because you know I hadn't I hadn't performed like that as I said in 25 years I mean I did one number here where I sang a song over there for a you know like for a fundraiser or something like that you know Um, but not a whole show so it it was an experience it was an experience Mm -hmm. and I loved it I loved it I was glad I did it but I knew I didn't have to do it again because you know you get to an age where you don't want to do eight shows a week I mean there were like for 10 years I did a Broadway show every year maybe two and like people would say didn't you ever watch that television show I said no I was performing for 10 years <laughs> you know totally yeah, yeah. so they like there's like all those those sitcoms and things I said "I never watched that I never saw it you yeah. know because by the time I got home the news was on <laughs> so but to answer your question and it was fun uh to to work with Donna because Donna McKechnie and I we you know you know each other. everybody knows everybody yeah. um but we only worked together once in 1969 for the Millican Breakfast Show and so we weren't friends but we knew each other and she was a great girl we had a great time it was just it was great to work with her yeah. so um to go back to your question yes I have choreographed people that I worked with and gone back and then done things like this and 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 it's and it's good because usually, usually people are helpful. They want to be helpful to you. Yeah. Because you can get stuck too. You think, oh God, I got to move you over there, but how many? I? Well, what if we did? Okay, that's good. Can I do this? Yeah, I'll go over there. Okay. So um. So yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, around the time of Georgie, the next show you did was Follies. So yes. How- how did Not you back. audition for that?
1: Well, I went to the audition and um, we danced for a long time. Um, and uh, when we got done, we sang like you do. The, the dancers have to sing. And uh, I think we came back. Well, we danced first, we sang. But then there was a callback day and we when we went back. And what made me laugh about that was that with just the nature of the show follies I thought I'm never going to get this job they're going to want six foot tall girls at least five seven yeah as it turned out because of the nature of the ghosts and things I was Broadway baby I was young Broadway baby I was Ethel Chate's size so that turned out to be terrific for me and um uh yeah it was it was great it, in fact, that show made up for the other three bombs. <laughs> you know, it was ahead of its time and I got some bad reviews, but it was, you know, people, if if we open now, this would run for 10, 12 years. Yeah. Probably. It was, we knew, We the te- the, the stratosphere was so high, the tension, it wasn't tension, but the excitement was so high opening night that you knew something important was happening. That's the only way I can explain it. Something yeah. important was going to happen, and it did. And you know, everybody in the dressing room, all the girls, we all got a dozen roses from somebody. It looked like a florist' shop. We had reds, yellows, purples, green, all kinds of flowers. And um, it was it was what you wanted a Broadway show that you did to be. When I was a little girl and I wanted to be in a Broadway show, it was what I wanted it to be. So it was spectac- it was just spectacular. And I was like low assistant on the totem pole, meaning that I got to do all the grunge work. Michael would send me with the adults, the big tap number. I would take the adults at the end of the of the day once they they learned it enough, and I would drill them. And then as they got better at it, then the girls would come in and I would drill the whole number. I was like the drill sergeant for that number. And I also swung the number. So if one of the ladies went out, their young person... Or one, uh, not not the ladies. I'm sorry. One of the girls would go out. I would cover that girl, and um, that was an experience in itself. Because you know those those costumes were like 70 pounds a piece. Yeah. They were like tutus with mirrors on them, and the hats the hats were skull caps with beads like this, three strands of beads, and there were gauntlets that came up to here. And they didn't make me a costume for me. I had to wear whoever was out. Oh and goodness. everybody was bigger than I was because myself and four other guys, four, four, we did the taps on the base in the basement on a live microphone on a tap board. Because of the rake of the oh, stage, wow. the girls didn't wear tap shoes because it was it was it was hard. It was it, the rake itself was hard to work on, and um, so I did the solo taps, and the, there were four other guys. In the basement with me, and so we were there. It was that was a strange experience because you would go down with a. I had my little my little robe on, and my skull cap ready for my next wig and my little tap shoes, and I stood there and we would wait in the hallway, and um, wait for the music to start. Wait till they got to the tap part and we would start, you know. And when we were first in Boston, they kept scolding us for like two days. You're behind the beat. You're behind the beat. And you know, and I if I didn't know anything else about myself. My rhythm is terrific and my tempos are terrific, okay? Because yes. um, tap is my fork. And finally, somebody said, open the door. We, when we opened the door to the pit, we were okay. We were getting a delayed sound
0: oh. because that
1: door was shut, you know? In fact, the first time every all the cylinders hit, I believe it was a little bit of a train wreck because they also punched in. It was on the first times they did that. They punched in this the girl singing on a tape as well as them singing on stage because by the time they got to that part they had done like a whole whole number already so you know to be sure that the sound was full and there was only 12 of them with the ladies on stage 12 14 people with uh, Mary McCarty and her ghost and so a six and six so 12 13 14 people so they wanted a nice big sound and so not only were we on the live mic in the basement the girls were singing on stage and then they pumped this in you know and it was a little so we had to get that together and of course it did and i have to tell you i that was one show that ran long enough i got a vacation and when i came back from my vacation i said i'm gonna go see the show now you know i had been in the show long enough that lucy and jesse i would see because where i was standing in the number i would look up and i'd see like little mistakes and i go why are not they fixing that (laughs) It it would aggravate me you know and um i learned a tremendous lesson from this uh because I hadn't started quite started to choreograph yet. So I look up and I see this and I thought, I'm gonna go see the show. When I went to see that show, I was so proud that I was in the show. And when the mirror number started, I almost teared up. I almost started to tear because it was so beautiful. It was just spectacular. I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah. It was just beautiful. So and the and all those little teeny things that I saw didn't mean anything because the overall picture, everybody was together. So, you know, I learned a tremendous experience with that, you know, and I teach a lot. So I will say to people, you know, you can be yourself and we can all do the same number and you might feel a little different or you might move just a little different, but you'll still look together as long as you're on the same foot and you have your hands and your arms in the right spot. So it was a tremendous experience for me because that that number two, this was funny. The whole, num- the whole show was funny because we didn't really do much of anything, well, at least my show. I did the opening where I followed Ethel Chate, who was who was Broadway Baby. We followed our person. And what was special about that for me, for myself and Michael Masita and Graziella, Danielle, we, Michael told us, do just do what you think they would do. And so I sang Broadway Baby in halftime do you know about the ghost? The ghost moved half time. Yeah. I sang Broadway baby, even though I wasn't really singing. Well, I was strutting in halftime. I would just sing Broadway baby as I thought she would have done it as a young girl. And then when she came out, you'd see your ghost and you'd follow them down, you know, and Graciela and Michael did the same thing. They did all of those things, those Bolero things in halftime, you know, and, um, And that that was kind of a nice, that was a feather in my cap. I know I felt because Michael trusted me. He said, be here on this eight and be here on this eight and be over there on that eight. Yeah. And that's how we did that. So I did that and then I did the mirror number, but I didn't have to get ready for it. I just had to put my little robe on and go down in the basement, you know? And so the girls did that and some of them did the bolero. And then at the end of the show, when normally you're getting ready to go home there were four numbers in a row, bang, like that, it was like, it it was so fast, and when we were out of town, we did Lucy and Jesse, no, is that right, yes, we did Lucy and Jesse first, and then we did live, laugh, and love, and we would have to come off stage to our pants, the girls' pants were breakaway, so the guy behind me would grab my pants and rip them off me, and I'd take <laughs> off my jacket and grab a cane, and I would step out, I was the last one off and the first one back, so it was this fast. And I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. No, what I'm getting to is that Michael decided that we would have blonde wigs for Live, Laugh, and Love. This was when we were still doing our pre-Broadway stuff in Boston. But we were already wearing red wigs for Lucy and Jesse. Oh. So there was one more thing to take off and something to put on. I had i have short hair so it wasn't so bad for me i just ripped off that wig and the dress the hook dresser went like this and i stuck my hat back on and went but when i got down the stairs because there was we came out like this you know there was a group came from this side and i came from this my group came from this side i looked at my counterpart across and i almost started to laugh because she had long dark hair that was this big long curl hanging out oh. you know because we didn't have enough time to change it so thank god it was a matinee and michael said to us that night, he said don't puff puff he would puff on the cigarette, and don't do that. Don't don't change the wig. Okay, thank you, <laughs> thank you, you know. We actually did Loveland, then we did Lucy and Jesse. We had just enough time to go up to our dressing room and change and come back for Lucy and Jesse. And that was also very strange. When I, When we first started to do that number, now you gotta remember that there was the rake here, then there was one platform that was flat, and then there was a rake on top of that, a little platform. So when we, Michael first staged that number, I was on the top rake, and then he, it spread out like this, and the taller people were on the floor. He, see, he wanted it to look, there's, and I wish I could remember the name of the movie. The next time it's on, I'm going to write the name down, but I, there's an episode, and I'm sure he got this idea from that. As you, as they the musicians looked up, it looked like everybody, like the first guy was like 9, 10 feet tall, okay, so... When we first did the number, I was on the top. And then he switched it so that the the shorter people were on the bottom. And Michael Masita, who was the tallest, was on the top. So when you looked at us from this, it went up like this. The height of the people. Now, when you're looking forward and you're performing, and if you make a little mistake or something, which doesn't always happen, but it does happen, you can smile and continue on. I never felt this experience doing anything else. We stood with our backs to the audience, hand on hat, hand on hip. And when the curtain opened on us, I had the most strange feeling. I felt like I had forgotten my pants because I, it was like, well, I can't, am I, am I, I taking, that's how it felt. It was just like, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> you know? We got over that, but it was a strange, it was a strange feeling. How often do you do a whole dance number with your back to the audience? Yeah. Yeah, so, so it was. it was interesting. It was very interesting.
0: So what was your interaction like with Hal Prince and Stephen
1: Sondheim? I loved them. I loved, they were very nice to everybody. They they talked to everybody. They were never never standoffish or any of that. And we just talked. you know, you would talk, how are you? Oh, I'm good, yeah, okay, that's nice. You know, you'd have a little conversation with <laughs> time. In fact, the first day of rehearsal, I came in and I sat down I, I was early. I, I think I was the first one there. I sat down by the piano and I was like fussing over here in my bag and whatever. And the piano was over here to my right. And all of a sudden I heard some somebody was playing it and I turned around and I said, hi, I'm Mary Jane Houdina. And he said, hello, I'm Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, they were like that. They were just very friendly people. I saw, I would see Stephen on the street and he knew who I was he would talk to me and you know, in fact, um this was this was funny because in Ben's number, we did this little circle around and then we switched direction went the other way and we made a V behind him. Now, he was here and I was on his right and my friend Julie was here and then it made a V up like this. He had trouble getting started on the next section of the song. So I would come into my place I had, if I did it right, I could go five, six, seven, and I would give him a cue. And then he would say, success is swell, And So I'd go five, six, seven, suck, success. I would throw, I would just say suck, the beginning of the word. So there's two stories with this. So we were running for a couple of months and the flu went around and I got the flu. I was sick a couple of days. Oh well when they get the the kids get, the dancers got to that number, they knew I threw him that cue. And nobody knew if anybody knew they were supposed to do that. So about four people said it. <laughs> so it was ah, suck, you know, because I would just throw it over my shoulder like that. I'd go, suck, suck, sense. and I turn around, right? So now you asked me about Steve and and, and Hal. Um this was nine this is oof, how many years later? So 71. This was 1993. There was a benefit not a benefit, a tribute from Michael Bennett and um, Larry Kurt and Fritz Holt, who was our production stage manager. And he was also production stage manager, I believe on company. And a lot of stars, everybody was there from from company. And Donna Donna was there, she did TikTok, she was spectacular. Um, they, everybody was just there from company. So I was asked to do the taps in um, side by side. So we were having rehearsal, and um, it was in the Vivian Beaumont Theater, the small, the little theater. I was walking across, I was going out, and coming towards me was Hal and and Stephen. And I said, hi, do you guys remember me? I said, of course we remember you. You used to throw John the sock. (laughs) So it's funny how things come back to you. So obviously everybody knew that I did that, you know? So they were very nice people very, very nice people. In fact, I had to, um, now I'm still pretty young then, you got to remember, I was only 23 years old.
0: Oh, really? and I had
1: a lot of experience, but I, the, the montage of Broadway Baby and Al Perry and Listen to the Rain on the Roof. Ethel was sick one time during the rehearsal, this was, oh. and um, Michael looked at me and said, you have to sing the song. I said, what? <laughs> I said, <laughs> okay. So, I, they were very nice, because I got nervous, I walked out, you know, I, how much do you perform, what do you, you know, and the, that's how you get your experience, right, because we were rehearsing on the set up in the Bronx, where they made it, because it was dangerous, because we had to walk up and down the stairs, and be on this rake stage, and um, so I think what happened, uh, Ethel had a lot of arthritic problems, you know, and I she just didn't feel good one day, so she didn't come to rehearsal. So they were gonna rehearse the montage, so I got to do that, and I walked out, and he's sitting as close to me as you are. That was um, Steven's face, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I was very nervous, and they were very supportive. They were very nice to me, so.
0: So what was your relationship like with the other cast members, including Ethel Chate, who you played the younger version of?
1: They were wonderful. They were all wonderful. I loved all of them. Um, I did, I loved all of them. You know, um, Dorothy Collins was just, she was just a wonderful human being and talented. She made it look so easy. I don't think she got enough credit for what she did in that show. I mean, she, she just didn't, that's how I feel, you know. And um, the, all the ladies were nice. They were all wonderful. Mary McCarty was fantastic, you know, and and I loved de Carlo. In fact she was funny you know because when I would rehearse them now most of them were not dancers they had a little movement somewhere but they're not dancers you know and mm-hmm. I was in my prime <laughs> so I was I'd start when they'd get good I'd start pushing them a little bit like you would push a dance group you know and <clears throat> one day I, I caught myself and I could see that they were they needed a break and it was very close to the end of the day so I said, hey, let's just take a break, okay? And everybody sat down, and they were sitting, you know, sitting, fanning. And and so there was about 40 minutes left, and I said, okay, come on, let's do it one more time. And Yvonne looked at me and said, I don't think so. <laughs> so I said, okay, let's go home. <laughs> so I said, just wait a second. I said, I'll go see if we can go home. And it was close enough to the end of the day. I was able to dismiss them. But they were. that's just the way they were. They were, they just. I don't know. They were just nice. They were all very different, but they were all very nice. You know, and Ethel Barrymore Colt, She would tell stories about her her uncle Lionel and her, you know, and, <laughs> and and Ethel, you know, her mother Ethel, and it was like crazy to hear those stories because I loved all those actors, you know. Yeah. So it was a it was a wonder tremendous experience, just tremendous. Yeah.
0: So some of the reviews, as you were mentioning, were. Not all as understand. Not
1: that, yeah. You know why? I don't think people were ready then, because there was the ending of the show. Again, the ending. Um, it wasn't happy and upbeat. You know, it was. It, there was a little hope, but it it didn't say, "Oh, we're going to go home and we're going to be happy and we're going to," you know everything's going to be wonderful and we're going to grow flowers and you know it was a real slice of life and you know people weren't ready for that then that's why i I say if we would have opened even seven or eight years later people would have been happy with that you know they would they would have been they would have understood that because shows are heavier now they're they you can do a musical that's heavy you know Mm -hmm. and um they just they didn't want that because now it's like, I go places now where I go to choreograph something else. And I've had people come up to me and say, um, you were on Young Ethel. I say, how do you know that? We love the show. It's become a real cult following, you know. Um, there there was a woman who covered the women. Her name was Sonia Lefkova. And one day, I, one time I went to do, what was I doing? I, I was doing something like in, uh, for a, theater of the stars in Houston and this fella came up to me and said Sonia Levkova I said oh my god how do you know her name you know because you wouldn't know that unless you really read through the credits and who yeah. did what and you know and she was sweet because she came in late see I that's why I say I was the grunge person I would have to teach that number to people and even John's number um Michael would send me with John in the other room to drill it I would drill all the numbers you know, with the people. I drilled Alexis's number. I drilled, you know, I drilled John's number. And, um, in in fact, one time, um, Joey Tubins, his name was, he's no longer with us either. He was terrific hairdresser. He, um, I restaged Alexis's number for the Tony Awards in 1976, I think it was. And, um, Joey was the hairdresser. And, um, we were sitting there talking with the girls that were doing that show, and he says to me, he says, tell everybody how you made Alexis cry one day. I said, what? (laughs) He said, "What? tell her how you made, I said, I didn't make her cry. This is how it was funny how people, how stories come back to you. What happened, have you ever done anything and you're just so overwhelmed, you just kind of get upset? Yeah. She, I kept like with the other lady. I kept rehearsing and rehearsing. And I said, "No, you gotta do this, uh, uh, well, like this." I like said. We sat down, and she teared up. And I said, "Are you okay?" She said, "Oh," she said, "I'm just overwhelmed today." And I said, "I didn't make her cry." I said, "She was tired." Yeah. <laughs> but that's how it came back to me. Tell them how you made her cry. I said, "Oh God." <laughs> so we finally laughed. But I, you know, that to me was like, I, I didn't make her cry," you know. Yeah. But um, yeah. So
0: what have you thought about subsequent productions of Follies or the book that
1: was written about the musical? Yeah. I love that book. That book oh. because um he said to me when we were doing the show originally, you know, because Ted was the gopher. He was like yeah. the gopher on the show. He and I would sit next to each other because I had to watch to be sure I knew the numbers so that I could teach and drill, right? And he said to me one day, he said, you know. I'm keeping a diary, and I'm going to write a book someday, and when he called me about, what was it, 10 years ago when the book came out, he said to me, I'm finally writing that book, he said, and I want to talk to you about some things, and there's a lot, there's several pages about things that I did in there, I love the book, it's, it's, when I went back, I said, oh yeah, I forgot about that, you know, so it's, it's, lovely to have that because you like myself there are a lot of things I even talking to I feel like I should sit down and write some of these stories down because uh, you know one of these days I'm going to forget them right now I still remember everything but yeah you know over your experiences you start getting so much information and material that you know you start to forget them or you get they run together you know
0: so I think that Follies was your last show on Broadway where you performed and didn't choreograph or assistant choreograph. So was what made you sort of decide to transition to
1: only doing choreography? Well actually, no, I did another um, I did Irene. I went into um, see, I went into Irene as a replacement. I I replaced when um Jane Powell went into the show. I replaced um I actually replaced Carrie Fisher carrie and i put replaced another girl and then then another girl also replaced two people it was towards the end of the run and uh jane powell was was wonderful she she went into show i think on wednesday and the other girl and i went in on on saturday it was like a weird time we went in like at the end of that week whatever it was and then the following week jane powell had a party for the cast, which was really nice. And it was at the Great Aunt Fanny. It was a restaurant on, on restaurant row. And um, when we were in, it was lovely too. They had this big table set up for the for the Irene cast, right? And we all sat down and across the street at the, theater, at the restaurant across the street, Andy Warhol was giving a party. And it was the first time in my whole life, I thought, oh my God, I've arrived. This fella came in from the party with this big fur coat on and he dropped the fur coat and all he had on was a yellow tie. Streaking oh. was popular then. And he streaked us. He ran around the table. It happened so fast. I was like, Oh my goodness. Oh my god. And then he was out of there. He was out of there. So I always laughed at that. Cause that made me feel like I was with what was, what was happening. You know, oh, I did sorry. that and I did moose murders. Have you ever heard of that? Moose yeah. murders? I, I was, I was the dance coordinator for that. I didn't even get to see that. That closed so fast. It didn't even open. And I, I want to ask you a little bit
0: about Moose Murders. So okay. When how did you sort of get hired to
1: work on that show? Well, this was very strange because it was really a play. Yeah. You know? It was a comedy. And um and I never laughed so hard at anything. I they gave me the script, and I sat in my living room, and I read it, and I, I laughed out loud. It was so funny, and I couldn't believe what, what happened with it, that it, because I never got, I really didn't get to see it. I went, and how I got that job, I had a student that was friends with a fella in the office. Oh, really? And he said, hey, you know, they're looking for somebody to, like, coordinate stuff, and I said, well, okay, and he, he gave the fella in the office my name and I went up there and um because they didn't need a choreographer they they didn't want to pay is what it was they didn't want to pay the full fee as opposed to like the two thousand dollars they gave me instead of the twelve thousand that they should have you know but it that's okay because I I, what I did is I coordinated the little girl Mara Hobel. She what her thing was is that she was annoying and she would tap dance when she came into the, the scenes and she'd tap and she'd go up and down the stairs you know like Shirley Temple and stuff and I just coordinated all that and then the couple he was a blind pianist and his wife was a singer in the Moose Lodge and I just coordinated some of her hand movements and things like that and I think that's all I did and I was good I went over to see the show <laughs> and the, on the Uh, the billboard it was already had the closed sign on it oh (laughs) like it was just closed that was it I went to a production meeting I did my work and they rehearsed and then it was closed did you so I never really got any information more than that because it was like gone (laughs) did you sort of see anything that was
0: going wrong with it in rehearsal or no
1: no because I didn't see any of the scenes you see I didn't I just it was like I plugged it in I plugged the movement in the scene so that was it strange that experience and people ask me about that all the time I said I really only have a little information I said I was only there myself the little girl was very nice you know and the couple was very nice and uh that was that yeah so when you normally
0: do assistant choreographing on a show does the choreographer usually call you and ask you to do it or do you ever have to sort of apply to do it?
1: When I was assisting people, <clears throat> it was people would ask. They would just ask, you know. Um, uh, like Tony was a friend, and we all, he, we all would always say we would dance together. And he say, "When I'm a choreographer, and you're my assistant," and we would laugh and scratch, you know. And then when he started choreographing, I was his assistant at the begin- at his the beginning. And then um, how did that work? I assisted. I assisted him and then, I don't know, I, cause I didn't start really choreographing myself until I was, I came out of Follies and I choreographed company actually at Woodstock Playhouse and mm-hmm. in, um, in Woodstock, New York. And um, I went there and I did, they needed a choreographer and there was a woman, her name was Phyllis Grandy whom I loved and she for a long time was the rehearsal pianist in New York. This, this is over 25 years ago. I mean, she she's not any longer with us. But when I first came to New York, she was the one, you know, in fact, people would ask her because she knew so many people from playing for them because she coached as well. And uh, they were she was doing the auditions for this and they didn't have anybody to play Kathy. And she said, hey, I and they didn't have a choreographer. Hey, I know somebody. And I went in and I sang and I got the job so of course I was choreographing mostly for myself you know because of that big uh, dance number and um and I thought oh yeah I can do this you know because I, I didn't know I was a good assistant because I remembered everything um well you know I also did Rachel Lily Rosenblum and don't you ever forget it um oh. but that was Tony because Tony was the choreographer and I was his assistant but um and then and then it was interesting because Tony would suggest me, and Harvey Evans is a good friend, and Alan Johnson, you know his name, who was a choreographer? He was a wonderful choreographer, and I assisted him um, on the Danes at Sea TV special. And then I assisted him on the Milliken show several times. And it just, they kind of just, it was nice because in fact, when I did um, Sextet, they had asked Alan to come in because they didn't like the people who were in charge, didn't care particularly for the staging that this fellow was doing. And he said to them, which was wonderful for me, he said, uh, well, you have Mary Jane there, she can fix that. You know, So that was really nice of him to do that because he could have just come in and taken over and yeah. he didn't. So I got a tremendous amount of experience from that. you know. And I got that job with sex tech from Michael Bennett because Michael had given them my name oh. initially. So.
0: so when you were doing Rachel, Lily, Rosenblum, and don't you ever forget, yeah. that was another show, I think, that closed on opening or before opening?
1: It sure so. did. We didn't open. Oh, you didn't? We didn't even open. There so. was a lot of uh, kind of in it, it, a little, um, not fighting, but it, they didn't get along. That, you know, when you asked me, do you ever wish? it was too bad that it, they couldn't have done it as a concert because <laughs> the work that Tony did was very good yeah you know but it, somehow the scenes didn't match and you know and there Lita Galloway wasn't it I mean she was terrific and Paul Jabbar wrote it and he even wrote a song called I want to want to Wanna, Wanna go to North Tonawanda <laughs> which is where I'm from I don't oh I don't remember why he wrote that he just liked the song he liked the name of this the script the town and I think he had worked in that circuit you know that Lenny Denwood circuit so he remembered that and um and it should have been done as a review I think you know because they the director they let go the director and then somebody else came in and um it it, it was just a lot of headbutting going on so it it never happened which was too bad because that was Tony's first show and um yeah, he. She just should have gotten more credit from that.
0: So yeah. So I want to ask you what it was like to work with Gower Champion, who you did work with on Rockabye Hamlet*.
1: Well, I I really was Tony's assistant. Tony assisted him, and I assisted Tony <laughs> Stevens. So um, he, because he did most of the um, the principal stuff, and Tony and I would do the choreography for the the ensemble, for the chorus. Um, and when there would be, like there was one number that was, it was, for me, it was my favorite number. It was called You Like the Boogie. <laughs> and it was Laertes and, um, was it Laertes and Hamlet? That, no, that might be right, I don't remember now. But um, it was Alan Weeks and the fellow who played Laertes that did it. And it was ju- it was dynamite. And it, they did it kind of with with swords but it was kind of a um a bluesy kind of do you want a boogie yeah 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 you want a boogie and i staged the girls upstage (laughs) and michael or not michael and um tony and gower did the principal stuff you know and um i didn't get very close to gower uh, because he i found him hard to get to know when i first started um and i didn't dislike him don't get me wrong it's just that when i first started. He didn't know me and I came along because Tony wanted me to be there, you know, and we didn't have any problems quite, but he would do things, he didn't like people to speak up and I had only worked with choreographers who listened to what I had to say, so I had to get used to him. He didn't, he didn't want me to go, hey, do you remember when we did such and such, this would be perfect this kind yeah. of step would be he didn't want to he it was for me uh, i felt a little bit on the outside looking in because i wasn't in the show i did swing the show i had to swing it to do it which i i is not my favorite thing to do i only swung one show and it was that show and um so anyway I, so he 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 and i didn't butt heads quite but it was kind of i always always felt on guard with him yeah Because I wasn't like in his inner circle of people quite, you know, and, um, and I understood that he would do that, like if anybody spoke up, like one time he asked me to leave the room and the stage manager said to me, and it was a stage manager who had worked with him like on Hello Dolly, and he knew him for a lot of years. He said, Oh, don't feel bad. He said, because he throws me out of the room all the time. (laughs) So, and he wasn't ever nasty. He just would kind of go, do you mind leaving? you know yeah. be like that so i i i think he was nice but i never got to know him well enough to you know because he really wanted this the assistant assistant just to stand there and learn things and spit it back he didn't want and i and i had never worked that way so i got I, after the second time i suggested mm-hmm. something and he gave me the evil eye i i knew i didn't i couldn't do that So, yeah. So, you know, everybody's different.
0: Yeah. So when you were a swing for this show, did you get to go on ever? Or?
1: In that show? I did. Oh. I did. Um, And I was, I was crazed because we, it was an, it was a, a matinee and, and one of the girls got sick and I called her because, <laughs> because there was a number called, have I got a girl for you? And there were all these different kind of girls. One was a boxer, and one was a like a sort of a striptease sort of thing. And, and a Rosencrantz and Gildenstern sang that. And it was very complicated. They went up and down the stairs, and he was sitting down on this bench. And uh, the very ending of it, um, and, and I think Gower did this just for shock value, it was like on the verge of people nudity and things like that he wanted the girls walked danced around him and he grabbed the one girl and he took off her top and strangled her with it oh and if i thought i never thought that that was necessary actually so when it turned out to be this girl that was out i was having a heart attack because i i had told him up front when he was going to do that i said i can't do that yeah i have to go on i have to have something that i don't mind looking nude but i don't want to be nude. And Joe Alisi, who was the costume designer, he said, "Don't worry, I'll make you a costume that you'll feel comfortable in." But we weren't open long enough to do that, you know. So I called this girl because I was the dance captain, and I called her. I said, "Listen, I'm going to start your show, but I said if you're not dying, you better get your butt in here." <laughs> I said, "Because I'm not going to do that.
0: Yeah,
1: I can't do that. Okay." And she got there. She came in and she did it, and I did the rest of her show for her. Um, but it was just one of those things I uh, you know yeah I don't know even if I thought it was appropriate maybe if I would have done it I don't know I, I had never been I'd been asked once before that to do um in in fig leaves there was a we did like a loving that's what was happening at that time when we did that show people were in the park smoking grass and with flashlights and things like that. and we said that was that dance number and um they wanted to, at one point, do like a um, a spotlight slowly, because it was a part of the, the beginning that was just where they were, the main characters were walking through the park and just looking at all the stuff that was going on, and it was almost in slow motion. And they wanted one couple just to turn around and to be bare from the waist up, oh. and they asked me if I would do that, and I said I can't do that, <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do that. And um, when I came came out of the room one of the girls said to me what did they just ask you your face is all red Um, yeah so I was I was I was really young then I was like 20 I think so anyway um that was kind of funny though I thought yeah because it happened so fast but I still didn't want to do it I wasn't up to it so so it was funny because Tony and I in that show we there was one number in in fig leaves called old-fashioned men and we worked our way back to Adam and Eve, and he and I were Adam and Eve, and I had long hair then, so I just took my hair down and I threw it, you know, and they, Barbara Materia made the most beautiful bodysuit, because I looked naked, except there were three gold fig leaves, two here and one on my boob, and um, Tony had one on his boop, and we had these little gold vines in the back, and it was all mesh. It was all skin colored mesh. And when my mother came to see the show, she said, I knew you had something on, cause she said, I could see this, the sequin sparkling. Cause every so often they, they put a sequin on it, you know? But it made you look naked because it was flesh colored. Yeah, you
0: know? oh, is there a choreographer that you have that you regret not having had the chance to work with either as an assistant or as a dancer?
1: Jack Cole. Jack Cole was, he was a little earlier on than me. And he used to do all a lot of those movie musicals. And he taught, actually, he actually taught uh, Marilyn Monroe how to move. I wanted to dance for him bad. He did Kismet. And he, he was doing Kismet at, no wait, how did that work? He did Kismet at Lincoln Center, and my husband Who's no longer with us, but he he did the wazir for that. Now this was after that show when my first husband and I met. His name was Al Toigo. He he said, you know, I know Jack well enough. I could call him because they were doing a show called Matahari, and they needed small dancers like the ababus from Kismet, that kind of powerful dancer. And I said, I know if I knew if I just danced for him, he would hire me so to make a long story short i got a call and they said come to the schubert theater such and such whenever it was and i showed up and i see three girls that i know are dancers and they're dressed to the teeth and i've got my dance clothes on and i said isn't jack here today and it i never did get to dance for him i never did i sang my song and i said thank you you know because i knew yeah. i knew it was for moot you know um but it's a shame because i i I loved his work. I just thought he was terrific. So,
0: well, that is where we ended part one of my interview with the great Mary Jane Houdina. Remember to tune back in on Friday to hear part two. Thank you for listening.